0: Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are, for what you have done, and for how you lead us. We pray that when you come into your kingdom, as you are in your kingdom, that you would remember us, draw us close to your heart, and teach us your ways. We pray not just for those gathered here, but for all your people in all your churches throughout the world, may we who call on the name of Jesus be filled with your Holy Spirit and be your body in this broken and hurting world. We pray for the leaders and for the rulers of our world, God, for people who make decisions that affect so many others. May those decisions be made with grace and strength for our common good. We pray for Joseph, our president, and Roy, our governor, and all those elected and appointed to be our leaders. May they have the wisdom and the strength to lead, and to serve. And may we together work for our common good. We pray for this, our community, Morganton and Burke County. We pray for our medical staff and our public health workers, God, as they continue to serve faithfully. And steadily to care for each person is ill and who is ill and for our community as a whole may they be touched with an extra measure of your grace we pray for our teachers and school staff everyone who is caring for and guiding our children in these days may they too be filled with your grace, and your strength, and your peace. We pray for the particular concerns that have been lifted up today. For Clint's grandmother, Beverly Martin, as she is ill, may she pass through this illness and know your love and care every step of the way. We pray for Teresa. Thomas, who's having foot surgery on Tuesday, and for Stephanie, who is having surgery on her stomach. We pray for the family of Mary West, David Berry's aunt, who passed this week. Be with and bless all of these people, God, in their need, and with all the unspoken prayers of our heart. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who is teaching us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, "'Get behind me, Satan!' If they gain the whole world and forfeit their life, indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. These are God's words for God's people. As we move through Mark's gospel, um, there's a really clear turning point, and we hit it. That's where we are this morning. So, in the beginning of Mark, from Mark 1 through Mark, middle of Mark 8, we have Jesus who is powerful. He's acting, he's impressing people, he's getting their attention. Larger and larger crowds are following him. Uh, he's doing a lot of healing. His, um, he's doing teaching. So just so much of what he's doing is active and attractive. People are um, seeing what's happening and they are coming to him. They want to be a part of this, and the crowds grow. But then as we get to Mark eight, as we get to this turning point, Jesus first tells his disciples and then carries on to tell the crowds that he will suffer, that he will die. And they don't understand it right away they don't necessarily get what's happening, but it becomes more and more clear that the folks who want to follow Jesus because he's exciting and interesting might be a little off about what's happening. And that those that that followed him because he was healing people and feeding people and, and had this kind of energy around him, that we're shifting away from that. And so Jesus is um, claiming that he will suffer, claiming that he will die. He's speaking of God's kingdom, but he's increasingly not speaking of God's kingdom in the way that they might have expected or hoped for. So um, You know, while he's healing and teaching and leading, it's reasonable that a lot of folks would be expecting, you know, what's going to come next? What's the cool, exciting thing that he's up to? And the more clear it becomes that this is not going to be fun and cool and exciting all the way through, the more people start to back away. I was wondering this week, you know, it's clear that the people of Jesus' day and maybe also the people of our day, we often feel taken aback by Jesus or a bit scandalized by, you know, what he was up to and how it sort of defies our expectations. And... So one way that we think about that scandal or one way that the Bible presents that scandal is this idea that Jesus is claiming to be the, the Messiah with the subtext, maybe he's not. And so there's, there are especially religious leaders who are scandalized or offended that this guy from some nowhere town on the backside of who knows where is claiming authority. He's claiming to teach on behalf of God. He's claiming a role that they, they just can't comprehend, that those two things would go together. But then I think there's another way, too, that um, certainly some people in the Bible, and a lot of us today, I think sometimes we're not scandalized by the fact that Jesus claims to be a Messiah, we're scandalized by the fact that Jesus gets our hopes up with the first half of Mark and makes us, acts as if he's fulfilling our expectations that when God comes into the world, God's going to make us feel better and give us more power and heal the things that are bothering us primarily um, in a sort of endless upward trend of, of things going great. And so I think that there's at least part of the scandal is Jesus comes into the world and there is not an inward upward climb of everything going great that Jesus begins to teach his disciples that truly embodying God in the world will be a path of suffering. It will be a path of pain, it will be a path of challenge and at least a lot of folks, a lot of the crowd are scandalized by that, and they disappear. And the disciples, they stick with him, they listen to him, but they never quite get it either. This sense that God would practice God's power through weakness, that God would so love us and def- defeat What is evil, not by being the bigger bully, but by self-giving love. I was thinking about the scripture from 2 Corinthians, where you'll remember that Paul has um, been suffering what he calls a thorn in his flesh. And we don't ever really learn exactly what was going on with that. But Paul has prayed for God to take the suffering away and the suffering has not gone. And he has prayed for God to take the suffering away and the suffering has not gone. And he has prayed for God to take the suffering away and the suffering has not gone. And finally he hears the voice of the Lord saying to him, My grace is enough for you, for where there is weakness, my power is shown more completely well, I don't know how in all the years that I've read the Bible or tried to follow Jesus that I hadn't completely connected. The Lord who speaks to Paul after the resurrection, the you know, Jesus speaking to Paul in a vision after Jesus has been crucified and raised, he's not just saying that because it's a good theory. <laughs> Jesus walked that road. Jesus was the one with, full, with the full power of God. And Jesus' power was made perfect in his weakness, in his walking to Jerusalem, in his knowing that he was knowingly walking into a situation where he would be despised, and minimized, and finally killed. And, you know, we talk during Holy Week about the part where Jesus is on the cross, and they say, you know, even if he prayed right now, he could be delivered. But, y'all, Jesus never had to go all the way to Jerusalem in the first place. Like we looked at last week in the scripture we were looking at last week, he could have stayed a comfortably popular traveling healer with people who liked him and followed him around and admiring crowds. But that's not the full power of God. The full power of God was Jesus walking through suffering, Jesus walking through death, Jesus choosing to experience all those things that everything in our human nature teaches us to avoid. We don't like being in pain. We don't like being out of control. We don't like other people calling the shots. We certainly don't want to die. And knowing that we have to die, we hope that we might do so as gently as possible. And Jesus chose to step into each one of those things. When Jesus rebukes Peter, I wonder if that was so much just fussing at Peter and, or if it had something to do with Jesus really honestly facing the temptation of like, what if I don't have to do it that way, right? But Jesus realized, and Jesus clung to, the true power that he had and that he offered was the power made perfect in weakness. And so then he invites us that if we want to grasp onto power, if we want to hold onto our life, if we want to get our way... and be happy and comfortable, none of those things are bad, but when we grasp those things, when we see those things as what will fulfill us and what will bring us ultimately true joy, we lose it. And when we are able to hold lightly and trust that the God who came among us to love and to serve, to fulfill God's promises and to make all things new, that when he promises us, my grace is sufficient for you, for where there is weakness, my power is all the more complete. He knows what he's talking about (laughs) because he's walked it. And... I think it's easy to take this scripture and, and take it in a, okay, so what do I need to do direction? Like if I'm just holy enough, if I'm just what? no. Deep within ourselves, in the way that God has created us and created us good, we want to have agency over our lives. We want to avoid pain and suffering. We want to have meaningful power in our lives. But it turns out that the ways we think, the ways that we grasp to, to give us more power are meaningless. And the power of Jesus is the true strength. And so, y'all, I can say words about this. I can talk about it over and over, but it's not the words that gets to us. It's the process of watching and learning and reflecting on how Jesus moved through the world and then listening to Jesus promise to us and you know day by day especially in those moments when you feel powerless in the moment that the the temptation or the urge within your heart is to like take control and make this work. It's not what I preach. It's in that moment. Can you take a breath and can you hear Jesus say, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so instead of fighting and grasping and white knuckling it to be less weak than we are, can we breathe deeply And welcome God's strength exactly in that particular hard place. Um, I'm certainly not there. It's certainly an ongoing process for me. And I hope that it's an ongoing process that we as God's people can encourage one another to practice together. Amen. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love Where there is injury, where there is doubt Faith, where there is despair, where there is doubt May you go into this week filled with the words of our Lord. My grace is sufficient for you. For where there is weakness, my power is all the more complete. And may you know that the one who speaks those words to you has proved them true and will be faithful to you every step of the way. Go in the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.